We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, not a whole lot going on in the Bulls world right now, but the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We have a pair of series tied 2-2 between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, and then the Dallas Mavericks tying up the Phoenix Suns. The other two series will play tonight, uh, basically right after we're done recording. Celtics and Bucks, Warriors and Grizzlies. Jace, we tried to get a guest on today. We couldn't get a guest on, but Jason said, you know, I got some playoff thoughts that tie back to the Bulls, so let's podcast about it. Jace, how you doing, man? I heard that you uh, you caught the same bug that I had. Yes, I also went into health and safety protocols last week, uh, hopefully exiting soon, feeling a lot better. Uh, spent so I was basically home watching. Uh, supposed to be my birthday weekend, had a lot of stuff planned. Supposed to see Doctor Strange on opening night, that didn't happen, but uh, ended up just watching a lot of NBA playoffs instead, uh, while sitting around at home enjoying some better weather as well. But uh, yeah, playoffs in full swing, and these series have been uh, pretty contentious, like almost all across the board. Uh, you mentioned like Dallas and Phoenix is at 2 2, and we saw the stuff with Chris Paul's family in the stands. We had, we have Joel Embiid is back. Now that series is 2-2. James Harden finally wakes up and has like an MVP James Harden performance uh, while the Heat all of a sudden can't shoot anymore. Although former Bull Jimmy Butler, absolute monster, having an incredible postseason. And then, yeah, the games tonight, which obviously like by the time this is up, those games will be over. We'll see what happens. But Bucks Celtics was just an absolute battle on Saturday. That game three bodies falling to the floor every possession a lot of complaining about refs there have been a lot of there's been a lot of complaining about refs basically again all over the playoffs including then in that other series warriors grizzlies with the john moran jordan pool allegations 
uh, after I think players have been ejected in all three of those games up to this point. It was Kyle Anderson was ejected from last game. We obviously had the Draymond stuff in game one, Dylan Brooks stuff in game two, and now we have this John ja- Moran, Jordan Poole stuff. Really sucks that John ja Moran is out. The, the Grizzlies have been great all season without Ja, but in the playoffs against a Warriors team that just put up 142 at Chase Center, uh, that's going to be really tough. We'll see. Like I guess I don't think they're going to win that game, but we'll see what happens. Like I said uh, later tonight. Uh, I guess mainly, especially you mentioned like bringing stuff back to the Bulls. This is, I was having these thoughts and just watching Bucks Celtics. And after the Bulls played the Bucks, we just saw the Bull, the Bucks beat the Bulls ass in five games uh, in the first round. Obviously the Bulls had no Lonzo ball and they had other injury issues, but uh, just watching that series and it's just clear how much of an influx. And we've obviously talked about this, that they've made the Bulls need more, more size more toughness. Like this is obviously kind of meatball-y stuff here, but I mean, you watch those games and then shooting as well. And that's obviously, that's been the whole thing, size and shooting, but you watch these games and those, and those two teams specifically, when I was, because I was watching that game really close on Saturday, like they're big ass teams. They're super tough as hell. Those games, I mean, again, the just battles guys all over the place, uh, falling all over the, all the court. You got to be super physical to play Giannis. Giannis dominated the bulls. He dominated the Celtics in game three after the Celtics did a pretty damn good job in the first couple of games, keeping him to inefficient shooting games. But he had 42, like 12 and eight in game three. Uh, and the Celtics have a huge front line with Horford, with Rob Williams there. And they have Tatum, who played bad in game three. And then we we obviously saw the Bucks with their big front court as well. The Bulls just need so much more, more dudes who are just dogs. And they also obviously need guys who can hit shots. I mean, even the other series as well, though. I mean, the Sixers. They have Joel Embiid. Uh, the Bulls have never beaten him. Miami, we saw with Miami did the Bulls several times a season with their athleticism and their physicality. The Bulls could not handle it. Uh, and that's those are teams that just aren't going anywhere. Loaded, loaded teams that will be back next season. And the Raptors are kind of in the boat as well as an athletic, physical team that could really get after you on defense. So the Bulls are going to have to add players who can really just step it up and just rise to the the physicality uh, and also while also hitting shots. And this also, I went further and talked about how Patrick Williams, we have talked about Patrick Williams, but how he's so important there as a six, eight alleged, like he's built strong. He's got those thick thighs. Like he should be a strong dude who like the, 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 the Celtics ha- ha- are throwing Horford and Grant Williams at Giannis, like, and our, our guy, Will Gottlieb, but our bulls DM threat talked about like if Pat could be, Obviously, it'd be great if Pat could be better than Grant Williams. But Grant Williams has become a really good player. If Pat can kind of be that kind of dude at the worst, that'd be huge. But just in general, uh, the Bulls just need influx of toughness, size, shooting. It's just so obvious watching these, especially these Eastern Conference series so far. I saw a tweet from Henry Ward, who is a former draft Twitter guy. He's currently doing some stuff with uh, SIS Hoops. And is not really tweeting much anymore, but he did send out a tweet during the playoffs. I thought it was him. I can't find it now. I was just scrolling through his timeline. So if it was someone else, I'm sorry, I'm ascribing this to Henry. But he said something along the lines of everything good in basketball happens in space. And the goal of offense should be to create space. And the goal of defense should be to take space away. Again, I can't find this tweet from Henry, but he said something like that. <laughs> and it just, got me yeah. thinking about the Bucks' three big lineup with Giannis at small forward, Bobby Portis at the four, Brooke Lopez at the five. 
we have seen a couple similar lineups from the Bulls in recent years. We remember Nikola Miritich playing the three. We would get so upset <laughs> when the Bulls would play Miritich at the three. Oh, you're wasting anything he's good at. You know, the point is to have a shooter at the four open up more space on offense. We saw the same thing with Larry Markkinen, who briefly played the three as well. Then Cavs did. The Cavs did that this season when they were all healthy with the right. Lowry so the three. Did that with Markinen, yeah. and then Markinen basically started at small forward for the Cavs all yep. year, playing next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Now, at the time when the Bulls did that, and you could say the same thing about this year's Cavaliers, it felt more like out of necessity than by design. Uh, for one, the Bulls just had rosters that were sort of balanced towards the front court. You know, you can think back to Gasol, Noah. Taj, Nico, like they just had so many front court guys. I'm probably forgetting about someone too, and not enough wings. And very similar this year with this year's Cavs. The Cavs have no wings. But thinking about the Bucks doing it, I do wonder if maybe we were thinking about it all wrong, Jason. When we were so concerned about creating space on offense, maybe we should have been thinking about taking away space on defense. Now, the Bucks are a special example because Brooke Lopez is truly an elite rim protector. And for my money, Giannis is the best defensive player in the world. So, of course, when you have an elite talent like Giannis, he's able to sort of slide up and down the lineup and be great at basically any position, right? So the Bucks going with Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Giannis, all in the same lineup. I don't have those numbers in front of me currently, but I think going into game three, they weren't like amazing together by the numbers. You look like you, you are looking at the numbers. Right? I, I'm not looking at the numbers. I, I think they, did they go away from that to start game three? Let me see. Hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. They, okay. They, so they start, the Bucks started smaller in game three because of what happened in game two. They started Grayson Allen and said, and then he was fucking terrible. Uh, they started Drew West, Grayson Allen, Giannis and Brooke in game three. Bobby still played a bunch of minutes off the bench. He was a plus five. Uh, like I said, Grayson Allen was awful. He has been not good this series after killing the Bulls, of course. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have. I'd have to look at the numbers in front of me. Yeah, we keep talking. I can go. I could probably go find them real quick. We've seen them just run that big lineup yeah. to pretty good success throughout the playoffs. They obviously ran the supersized lineup against the Bulls. They wiped the floor with the Bulls. They also win Game One against Boston with that supersized lineup. So it just makes me think, like. This idea of taking away space defensively and, you know, a a team like Utah has sort of like pushed the final frontier on just like spamming three pointers. Now you wonder, like, what's the next step in the evolution of the game? And, you know, I think one way to look at it could just be like. Size is still king in basketball. Size has always been king in basketball, going back to the invention of the sport. Bill Russell dominating the 50s and 60s, <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, the big man always ruled the league. In the small ball era, we like to think that, like, well, a center is, like, now, like, an NFL running back, right? Where, like, you don't want to use a first-round pick on a running back. You can find a solid center anywhere you go. But the more I think about it, the more I wonder, like, maybe there is something to playing big, taking up as much space as you can, walling off the paint and you know what size can do too jace it can close out on those three pointers pretty ferociously with length and make you know in addition to packing the paint it can also make 
hitting three is tougher for the opposing offense. So uh, just okay, watching your, that I, series. Between, I got your numbers. I got your numbers here. Those three have played together in 61 minutes together. Offensive rating, atrocious, 91.9. Defensive rating, totally elite, 86.5. So they're winning. They're winning the minutes. It's a 5.4 net rating. Uh, I'm assuming, like I said, that is including, obviously, the Bulls series where they sh- totally shut them down. Let's see what that's been. I'm assuming they just have not played it nearly as much against uh, the Celtics. But either way, the d- defensively, one a lot. Yeah, defensively, that trio has totally shut down the opposition. Uh, and so, like, when I just think about team building, I think that sort of one way to go about team building is just to get like as many guys with versatile skill sets and size as possible. That Bucks lineup works because Bobby Portis can gun threes. It's like the one thing Bobby Portis okay. can really do offensively. I'm, I'm back. It has not worked in the Celtics series. 23 minutes, 60-0 rating. Still elite defensively. They have not played offense as well. In, in all honesty, part of that is just like the Celtics or the Celtics defense is also elite. Yeah. Uh, and like in that lineup, I think that is, you, it's finding the balance like against the Celtics. That kind of big lineup might not be as good because it's a bit more cramped. The Celtics can take stuff away better. They play physical as well. Arguably, them and the Bucks are like two of the best, two of the best even teams in the league. But against the Bulls, they crushed it because the Bulls weren't able to stop them because and they weren't able to score on them either so continue so back to my point which is just that when you're thinking about team building in the nba i think you know one way to think about it now is just getting as many different skill sets possible on your roster for guys with sides and i think the celtics fit into this too like nobody would have said that an Al horford robert williams front court has enough spacing like horford can kind of hit threes but he was you know, great in not, game three. He yeah, was awesome. He's not typically a knockdown shooter. Horford's been phenomenal this season yeah. and has been money behind the line. Uh, and then, you know, Tatum and Brown, obviously both huge for wings as well. Yeah. So it's just something to think about when the Bulls go forward of team building. You know, they have historically had, you know, at least over this past year, just Anytime they're building their front court, they got smaller options in the front court, whether they're going like DeRozan at the four pad is like the only really solid sized four that they have. Otherwise they're playing Javante green, six foot four. Why so important? So, why so important? It's just like, especially in the Eastern conference size times skill, taking up as much space as possible. And, you know, the Bulls have a unique situation because DeMar doesn't space the floor. So, like, it's, you know, all these skill sets sort of form together. That's what basketball is, to make the best team possible. And I think when the Bulls approach this offseason, they need to be thinking more about ways to just be bigger and take up more space on defense. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, And obviously, like, their defense was better when they had their two guards there, but again, those are guards and they do take a, they are, they, those guys do cover a lot of space, uh, but they, I mean, they clearly just do need more big guys who can actually play. I mean, Tristan couldn't play. Tony Bradley couldn't play. Maybe Marco will be good, but they definitely clearly need some more size there and guys who can't cover that space. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and one other thing I've noticed watching these playoffs, Jason, I was watching the Mavericks tie up the Suns yesterday, a series where it looked like Phoenix was going to run away with that, right? They're up 2-0. They win both games at home. Series goes back to Dallas. Uh, Phoenix was just picking on Luka time and time again in game two, and you just wondered, like, how is Dallas going to adjust to this? Well, Dallas comes out at home, and they win both games at home on their home floor. So what I noticed about Dallas, of course, they make the bold move for Luca. Everything in Dallas orbits around Luca, uh, but beyond Luca, they have won quite a bit on the margins. The star of Game Four was Dorian Finney-Smith, who was an undrafted free agent in 2016. The same year, both Alex Caruso and Fred Van Vliet were undrafted free agents. What a stacked! UDFA class that was back in 2016. Dorian Finney-Smith goes, I think, 8 of 12 from the three-point line. He defends Devin Booker expertly, and he just generally has a really great game. Uh, He's someone who they signed as an undrafted free agent. They kept him. They developed him. I think they signed him to a three-year $12 million deal. Then they signed him to a four-year $52 million deal. Earlier this year, I wrote a big piece on Dorian Finney-Smith in his journey through the basketball landscape today at SBNation.com. You can check that out. So that's one of their major wins on the margins. 
also Jalen Brunson. The same year they draft Luca in the first round, they draft Jalen Brunson in the second round. I believe he was the 33rd overall pick. Of course, Brunson was the national player of the year in college basketball, helped lead Villanova to two national championships. Everyone knows the story of his college career, and probably most people listening to this podcast know the story of his local high school career, playing at Stevenson yep. High School. He's really one of the best players to come out of the Chicago area over the last decade, probably. So Brunson, you know, second round pick. Now he's in line for, you know, probably a contract very similar to what Zach Levine just finished up. Four yep. years, $80 million. He might get $100 million. Jalen Brunson is going to get paid based on how he's played in this postseason. But there's another one, Maxi Kleber, who the Mavericks signed after eight years of professional ball in Europe. I believe he played in Germany and in Spain. The Mavs signed him just out of Europe as a free agent. He was another guy undrafted as an international uh, guy. Basically, I, I believe he just was just playing in Europe. Uh, he's from Europe, obviously. And the Mavs got him as a free agent. He's been unreal for them and is really a player that the Bulls specifically could really use yeah. because he's a guy who could play with Vooch or he could, you know, is the four next to him, provide some spacing, some shooting and some plus defense. And then you can play him at the five too. Uh, when Vooch goes to the bench. Now the Mavs have been doing this playing Cleaver at the five. When Dwight Powell goes to the bench, he's really been there five throughout the postseason. So that's my other takeaway from this postseason as it applies to the Bulls. You got to win on the margins and everything with the Mavericks comes back to Luka. But there's no way the Mavs are still standing right now without all the contributions from these guys. They basically picked up off the scrap. They won their last two games. One more there would be the Porzingis trade. Porzingis was like. So they get Porzingis, and that's like, okay, we got our two superstars, Luca and Porzingis. Yeah. It becomes pretty apparent right away that Porzingis was not going to be able to live up to that level of hype. They trade him for Spencer Didwitty and Davis Bertans. At the time, it feels like a salary dump of Porzingis, right? Like they're just like getting rid of Porzingis' salary. Yeah. But instead, you know, you get the additional ball handler in Dinwiddie. He's sort of been revitalized in Dallas. Obviously, he is a big burden off his shoulders, playing next to Lugo, playing next to Brunson. And then Bertans, I mean, might be the worst defensive player in the <laughs> league, but he's probably the best shooter in the league, too. He did hit four threes. Lame thrower. And, uh, you know, just another example of how they were sort of able to win on the margin. So that's my other big takeaway from these playoffs on the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, those first two games, the it was, I feel like, too much Luka. Kid, Jason Kidd mentioned it. And then these last couple, they've gotten better Luka, or better not from the role guys, and then also better defense, too. Obviously, they gave up a ton of points. They couldn't stop the Suns. Played a bit better these last two. Yeah. So I guess just before we finish up here with some uh, some award talk, I mean, wh- where do you think these series are going here? What would be your picks win right now. Great question. I was going to ask this to you. So I'm still going to go with a Warriors Suns Western Conference Finals. I do think the Suns are a little bit in the danger zone. I mean, it's a best of three series and the best players on the other side Yeah, with Luka. So that is very worrisome. I have to imagine CP is going to play better. He was terrible in game three and game four. I think he bounces back. 
I think Aiton is capable of playing so much better than he yeah. played in game four. So this whole season has felt like a collision course between the Suns and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. The Suns won 64 games, league high in the regular season. I'm just not ready to say that they're going to lose a second round series to the Dallas Mavericks, which yeah. is basically Luka Doncic and some guys. Yeah, but They don't really have a great supporting cast around him, but what they do have is a supporting cast that fits around his skill set. I'm still riding with Phoenix just because they have a track record going to the finals last year, being two wins away from a championship. Uh, you know, we've seen it all year. So I think in the West warriors, sons in the East, it could honestly go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say heat bucks. I'm rooting for uh, Sixers bucks, just because I think it would be really fun to see Giannis and Embiid go up against yeah. each other. But I'm still going to say Bucks Heat is the other series in the East. But man, that Heat offense goes through some scoring droughts, man. People have been talking about it all year. They can't really manufacture points consistently in the half court. And, you know, now Duncan Robinson's been pulled out of their rotation. Former DePaul legend Max Struess is getting a ton of tech. Uh, Kyle Lowry has very quietly been terrible for Miami since he's come back from the hamstring strain that knocked him out for the start of that series. They might be better off with Lowry on the bench. I don't know if, you know, Spolster can actually go to that move. Right. Hope Lowry bounces back, but I'm still going to go heat bucks. I want to see heat. I want to see Sixers bucks. Yeah. Uh, Definitely agree with you on the West. Uh, the Warriors, I mean, at this point with Ja Hurt, I just, unless the Warriors, obviously like Steph gets hurt or something, the Warriors are, they're just better than they are. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the Suns were so good all season. 60, was it 64 wins? Uh, like home court advantage, I think will have an impact. I am just kind of trending towards home court advantage still in all these series. Like Buck Celtics is, is definitely really fascinating to me because I do think the Celtics with or without Middleton in that series, I do think the Celtics are should be the better team here. But like the Bucks do have Giannis, the Bucks haven't been able to score. Like their offense can't score against the Celtics defense, but the Celtics defense also really can't score them that well against the Bucks in two or three games. I'm still leading Boston in that series just because I don't think the Bucks have quite enough offense without Middleton. Like easily could see the Bucks still winning though, just because Giannis is so dominant. Uh, so like definite toss up there. I think that's probably a seven game series. Uh, like I said, leaning towards. I mean, I guess the Heat Sixers one's probably a seven game series too. And I'm still leaning towards the Heat as well because obviously the Sixers got Embiid back. I still don't know if he's like quite himself. And like. Game four, looking at some of the numbers, like the six, the Heat played the Sixers pretty good despite shooting, just getting blown out in three point range. And despite Harden having like his best game in like a year, the Heat were right there. It was Jimmy's been awesome. I just think, and the Heat have been great at home. I still think at home, the Heat will, you think their role guys will shoot better. The Sixers, they shot, they made 16, they shot almost 50% from three at home. I don't know if they'll be that quite that good. I don't know if they'll be as bad as they were in the first two. So like with Embiid, if Embiid was fully healthy, I probably would have said pick the Sixers for sure. I just don't know if he's he's not quite there. He'd having home court needing to win two out of three with two of those at home. I think I'm still leading heat on that one. But again, that either definitely a toss up. And like, I would take, I hope all these series go seven games. That'd be great. I don't think Warriors Grizzlies will. I think that's the one that 
I, at this point, I would guess the Warriors win in five. We'll see. Maybe the Grizzlies surprise tonight. Uh, but yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I said there's a, the only thing that hasn't been really that fun has been a lot of the uh, just the stuff with the officials. The officiating has been shitty. There's been a lot of complaining about it, but I mean the series have been very tight so far for the most part. Some high tension, so exciting stuff. Let's finish up here again talking about you talk about Embiid and Giannis. MVP was uh, reported today, not exactly announced, but it is it does go to Nikola Jokic for a second straight season. Obviously, there's been quite a bit of nastiness uh on the internet and on in NBA media kind of back and forth about Jokic versus Embiid I mean and Giannis obviously was the third candidate but I'm assuming it's going to be Jokic Embiid Giannis and the voting there and uh and just the whole thing about analytics and eye tests and all this nonsense and obviously with the Nuggets going out early in the playoffs just more fodder even though he put up whatever ridiculous numbers against the Warriors uh so it's so much bad faith, our conversations and slandering for no reason. Like my final view on this, the MVP thing was that like all three guys, you could easily make a case for all of them. You don't have to shit on any of the other guys to make a case for the guy you think is going to win. They all have Jokic historically great season, took a team that is missing their two best guys all season to almost 50 wins and bead again, very historically great numbers right there with, Jokic and no, the Ben Simmons bullshit. And then James Harden, not as good as he used to be. And they win what 50 some games. Giannis obviously is basically doing the same thing he's been doing for the last three or four years. You could easily give it to him again as well, especially and with Jokic and Giannis's defense, give it to him too. All the guys have huge numbers, advanced stance, eye test. They all, they pass it all. Of it. So like you can, you can make a case for either of those guys. All of them would have been fine, but obviously Fans will be fans, and then obviously there's just bad faith media out there doing their bullshit. But ultimately, totally fine with Jokic winning. Uh, and like the stuff about like how Jokic is like the advanced stance candidate. I know our guy Steph No wrote about how Jokic is also. I mean, you look at his base numbers; they're great. If you watch Jokic, he's awesome. You see how valuable he is. Like, uh, so yeah. What was your? I think I believe you wrote. Did you do an MVP rankings article? I thought I saw you tweet that earlier today. Yes, I did. I did an MVP rankings article on the last day of the regular season. You can check that out. It is still relevant. I had DeMar DeRozan fifth on that ballot, which means yeah. he's officially in, in the, the conversation. MVP conversation. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, listen, did Jokic, Giannis, or Embiid break the record for most consecutive 35-point games while shooting above 50% from the field or whatever that ridiculous stat. We were saying DeRozan was, like, breaking the records. And they were, like, asking DeRozan about it after the game. He's like, oh, I never heard of that stat before. (laughs) Yeah, it's a made-up stat. No one cares. Uh, I did have Jokic number one on my final ballot. I believe I had Giannis number two, Embiid number three. And Jason, I cannot agree more with what you just said. Any of those guys would have been deserving winners. If Embiid would have won, even though I had him third, I would have said, hell yeah, Embiid deserved to win. If Giannis would have won, I would have said, hell yeah, Giannis, in my opinion, is the best player in the world. He deserves it, especially coming off the championship round, you know? And I eventually put settled on Jokic first um, just because he the way he carried that team without his next two best teammates. I mean, if you take the next two best teammates for the entire year away from basically anyone, I have a hard time imagining they could, you know, lift everyone else up the way that Jokic. Yeah, but I said the Sixers didn't have Tyrese Maxey. I'll see like no Simmons and like no Maxey. 
And that's kind of what it would be have been like. Yeah. Right. Just or or, or no. Tobias, either one. Like, or yeah, no Simmons, no Tobias. One of basically either of those two. Like and Embiid, obviously, yeah, again, like Embiid is great, and I don't want to slander him at all, but like it would have been interesting to see how if, what Embiid could have done with the like two of those three missing instead of just uh Simmons and instead of just Simmons, then obviously they did get hardened whatever two thirds of the way through the season or whatever that was. So like, and I know people will be like, Oh, well, like it, that you should, that shouldn't like be the final determinant, but like it's got to play a part of it. it's a regular and also it's a regular season award. Like if you want to say that maybe they should do the voting like after the playoffs and you want to like include the playoffs in it. Sure. But the, the way it is right now, that's not what it is. It's a regular season award. They vote after like when the re- at the end of the regular season and Jokic had a ridiculous, historically great regular season, no matter the, any way you slice it. And he carried a bum-ass team to 40, I think it was 48 wins. And they, Yeah, they I was going to say, if you want to talk about regular season wins, Giannis led the Bucks to 51 wins. Embiid led the Sixers to 51 wins. Jokic, without his two best teammates, led the Nuggets to 48 wins. So in terms of like regular season success, it's, all right the regular there. Season award, it's totally, you know, like there's not much of a difference between 48, 51 wins. And yeah, like imagine Giannis doing that without holiday and Middleton the whole season or Embiid did do it without Simmons. And it felt like Embiid's MVP case was sort of built off that for a little bit. Uh, But you know what? Embiid had an amazing year. I don't begrudge the Sixers fans for wanting their guy to win. I'm personally not an awards guy. The only award that matters is the championship. Every other award. At at this point, Sixers fans, whatever. Be mad, do whatever. I just hate. I hate seeing people slander and like the, the goofy analytics. I test stuff stupid. Ultimately, Sixers fans, your guy is still in the playoffs. Has a great chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Go to win a title. If they win the title, you can say whatever. Hot, great, Jokic, you won your you win finals MVPs. MVP, right? Joel Embiid wins. Yeah, Joel Embiid wins final MVP, and that means that means more ultimately. So like. Yeah, obviously you're not you're not going to be mad at fans for wanting their guy to win. It was just so, so much of the bad faith stuff that was just taking shots at Jokic. That was the shit that was just like super annoying, just like mean stuff. And like obviously fans will be fans, but some like high profile media people doing it, and obviously some of that's just for like clicks and annoying stuff like that too. But just really weird. Just like celebrate these guys. All of them are awesome. No reason to slander them at all. Just like. They're all dope as hell, and you can make good, great arguments for all of them without shitting on the other guys. Like it's just, it's just a very weird, just like vitriolic MVP race, uh, and I'm sure when, it's going to always be like that. When did the MVP become such a hotly debated award? <laughs> I'm going to say it goes back to D Rose breaking people's brains, yeah. winning MVP in 2011. Uh, you know, that was a year when I think LeBron had won the previous two. Now, no one's won three in a row since Larry Bird. Bird. I think only three people have ever won three in a row. MJ never won three in a row. So I will bet everything I have in my bank account, Jace, that Jokic will not win. Oh, no. There's way. no way. There's I mean, they would have no to, way. assuming whatever, assuming Murray and Porter are back. They'd have to win like 65 to 70 games. They'd have to get the number one seed. Yeah, and one seed. Even better numbers. And yeah. even then, I, I don't think they'd give it to him after he won two in a row. If, if they won like 65 to 70 and he put up better numbers, I think maybe. But like it literally, has, he has to just like completely knock it out of the park. It won't happen. We, uh, it's just, 
voter fatigue, and especially after some of the backlash this season, definitely won't happen. Embiid will have a great chance. Luca is going to be in that mix again. Tatum. I know, I mean, a lot, I know the big conversation right now is like there's international dominating this stuff with Giannis, with Jokic, with Embiid there. Like, who's going to be the next American guy to win MVP? I mean, Tatum's probably got the best chance, or I guess like Ja. Rant could be Tatum, could be Ja, could be Booker, maybe, Booker, but I'd yeah. be a little surprised. Uh, and a lot of people are saying Luke is going to win next year. Here's the thing, guys Luca always comes in out of shape. <laughs> he's he's always not trying to win MVP, <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just going to be Huka Doncic in the offseason. He's going to get chubby, he's going to eat what he wants, he's going to play his way into shape just as he plays his way into shape every year. So, fade Luca in your early season MVP tickets. <laughs> Take it from a guy who bet on Luca preseason to win MVP <laughs> each of the last two years and didn't see it happen. He came came on so strong uh, the, the end of the season. He got himself back in the mix, but yeah, he started so poorly and the Mavs started poorly as a team. And then then he came on strong. <laughs> he literally has done it. I think what is, is this his third season? I feel like he's done it literally every single season so far in the league. Uh, super funny, but uh, I think that's about it here. Like I said, this is not really much bold stuff going on these days. We got a while until there will probably be anything interesting. I'm still kind of waiting on Alonzo Ball update uh, with that with his knee thing. I don't think we've seen really seen anything new in a while there. So right now, because we're just enjoying the playoffs, debating stupid shit about dumb awards. Congrats to Monty Williams. He won Coach of the Year. Devin Booker scooped that today. Obviously deserving the Suns with the best team in the NBA basically all season. He wins 64 games, completely dominate. Easy call on that one. Uh, and yeah. So we'll see. We got again a couple good games tonight, which will be over by the time you're listening to this. We'll see what happens there. Uh, just every day now, these playoff games have been pretty exciting. And a message to all fans: stop being stupid and doing dumb shit in the crowd. Because uh, that stuff with Chris Paul's family was really goofy. But uh, that's going to do it for us here. Cash considerations, HI Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, go check out all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. We have great coverage here of these NBA playoffs of the teams that are still left. Uh, for us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings. Uh, helps us, helps us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun for our intro this season. Uh, so it's been Cash Considerations, HI Bulls Podcast. Everybody continue enjoying these playoffs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.